0: In a world where calmness is hard to come by, and the realities of how it benefits our physical and mental being, why would we continue to not prioritize it? Many have now discovered the benefits of CBD towards their optimal well-being, and the Healing Rose Company have become one of the leaders in breaking the obstacles that stand in the way of achieving your highest, healthiest self. Whether it's in soothing your thoughts towards circumstances, or recovering from an active lifestyle the healing rose has some of the highest quality ingredients in their products throughout the industry they are organic handcrafted cannabinoid infused body care made with 100 percent usda certified organic carrier oils essential oils butters wax and herbs they've won many local awards for their high quality practices and products and as a local female-owned company this is a brand everyone can get behind so that they can set the standard for how CBD can be cultivated, grown, and produced at the highest levels for customers from all walks of life. Browse the catalog at thehealingroseco.com and get 10% off your total purchase with the promo code SAGAS. Trust in this holistic approach for the betterment of your mind and body and support the Healing Rose CBD company. Again, for 10% off your total purchase, enter the promo code SAGAS. At thehealingroseco.com. To the many martial artists, entrepreneurs, dreamers, and thinkers, how often, for your own sake, would you love a symbolic reminder of your mentality and the perfect dichotomy to match? Murder Nerd is an independent clothing apparel line that represents the sharp, relentless focus towards personal growth and athletics. It embodies the vitality of their creative owners and the network of people who run on the same frequency. Why not elevate your frequency in comfort and style? Visit www.MurderNerdsFitness.com for their personal line of shirt and hat wear. Enter the promo code SAGAS, S-A-G-A-S for 10% off your purchase. Again, visit MurderNerdFitness.com and enter the promo code SAGAS for 10% off your purchase. All right. Thanks for checking in. So let's see. It's been kind of... um, interesting, I guess, as to how many things have started to come together that have led me to ponder this idea, practice this idea, get a little deeper into it. Um, I've known about this for quite a while, but only until recently, just things started to bubble and connect in a way that really called for me to uh, explore this, dig into this a little more. And, you know, the buildup between, um, a conversation I had with my wife, I just went to a Tool concert, um, and as weird as some of these things kind of bridge together, um, even this new conflict that we have going on here with, uh, Russia and Ukraine, you know, a lot of, um, It's got all of it. All of it has me pondering this idea of looking at myself through a technique that Carl Jung used to call the shadow. And if you don't know who Carl Jung is, Carl Jung is uh, he's an old um, psychoanalyst. He coined um, something called analytical psychology. I think he practiced in the early 1900s. He did a lot of work with trying to connect religion and the human psyche and would branch off into subcategories of things called archetypes, different different narratives, different characters that kind of lived within the narrative of this collective consciousness. He believed that we were all kind of connected uh, together connected through our ancestors and that those experiences collectively, um, you can kind of condense them in a way that can give an individual uh, a sense of meaning and purpose. It's a beautiful way of looking at things. Uh, I guess kind of complicated too, at least for me, because it's pretty dense and there's a lot there. But it allows, I think, me to become more open-minded because it emphasizes heavily the importance of the stories that our civilization has given itself. And one of the biggest stories really is uh, religion. So, you know, and that's a much... That's a different thing. That's a bigger thing that I really can't really even put my thumb on, but it allows me to be open-minded to the idea of of what, I guess, the Bible really is even saying. You know, the... Um, I've always felt that the literalism was the hijacking that we actually gave that that really important book and uh and when i read a little bit of how carl Jung looks at things it kind of confirms my um my reserve towards it because it really is what we've done to it what we've done to the actual bible has been a disservice to it i guess if you look at it through the lens uh, in which Carl Jung looks at it, which is this very, um, deep, uh, important, integral story of the human psychology. So anyway, so with that being said, a portion of his work beyond the analytical part of dreams and the archetypes and the religion and, um, And uh, symbology, he has books on symbology, and I have a few of them. They're very, very good. Um, You know, a piece of that is this thing called the shadow work. And, you know, at first I'm like, all right, what, like, what is this? And in reality, the first time I had even heard of the concept of shadow work was when someone pointed out that a lot of, um, a handful of Tool songs were, uh, had to deal with that. I think one of them was 46 and 2. It's very much this concept of looking at, uh, looking at opposites. Some people would say it's looking at the evils in you, your potential evil. And, you know, there is some merit to that, but it's really just about looking at opposites, looking at things in the most objective, uh, dualistic way, I guess and and it's this thing that where we as humans have this ability to hold within us this this energy this aspect that becomes repressed right and on a meta level it's a lot of things that we've decided that the meta of our collective society has deemed to be negative so you adopt that so when you adopt that you kind of continue to brush actions and thoughts under the rug and thinking that that's really what you should be doing because you don't want to manifest these thoughts or even maybe even contemplate some of them and there's different levels to I guess this shadow work um you know, I think even the word "shadow" kind of hijacks it, because it it immediately gives paints this picture for some people who don't um, bother to read the literature to kind of give it this idea of looking into your darker, more sadistic side, and it's it's really not that. You know, the outcomes to your suppression and unrecognized—I guess you would call it. Um, mental uh, mental rooms, chambers, areas can result in some very negative things. Um, but the initial glance at things is really just looking at uh looking at opposites and what I mean by that is what like I said earlier, this is kind of an easier example. I think one that's everybody can kind of relate to where you know the meta of society. The collective as you grow up there are many signs and symbols that tell you that aggression is something to be avoided right and there's two levels to this and I'll try to open this up I guess on both one being that when it's a collective societal I guess societal opinion about a certain moral stance like aggression, the idea of aggression. That sets you in motion to kind of uh, suppress the way that you speak, the way that you act. Um, But also on a more subjective level, even if society doesn't tell you, the influence of an individual can really imprint itself so that you act in a certain way that suppresses all branches that come off of the tree of aggression, whether it's a parent or a sibling or anything like that. So the initial problem with kind of acting in this way, adopting these moral stances that have been kind of um, transitioned and conditioned onto you is that there's a natural place in you to always avoid conflict. So when you feel that there's a time to question if you should be thinking about something or why you are thinking something, why you should or shouldn't be acting in a certain way, there comes a point of conflict. We're always avoiding conflict internally. It's like this, it's this moral conflict. And then you start to paint this picture that well, because I think this way or more so because I act this way but I tend to think the opposite way it starts to give birth to almost uh, an aspect of guilt and hypocrisy, right? This hypocrisy that says that you're something negative because you're not truly, your intentions are not falling in line with what has been taught to you, let's say about aggression. <clears throat> you know, and, and an, an example within that is let's take bullying. This is an easy one. You've been, you've been told and shown and taught to keep your hands to yourself, Aggression is bad, keep your voice down, sit nice, sit still, be a good girl, be a good boy, all this stuff, everything that's kind of attached to that. And it's void of any allowing for release, which in, in its experience allows you to learn, right? As long as there's someone there to kind of guide you through it. <clears throat> Of course a side note here is that the parents that are telling you this stuff don't really do any exploring themselves they themselves are just kind of relaying the conditioning that they have which is keep your hands to yourself don't do this don't do that this doesn't look good on you so then what that does is it makes you very passive it makes it feel like you can't stick up for yourself as you get older because those bullies turn into coworkers those coworkers turn into bosses those bosses turn into different figures of authority and it goes higher and higher and higher and up so it kind of tells you that it's like you know know your lane relax you don't want to step into this place where you become reactive and aggressive because it's bad because no matter what the outcome is it's bad And in this, in this respect, the shadow work that goes into uh, aggression is asking yourself, well, why are people stepping all over me? Why am I not able to be assertive in this way? Why this, why that? Why am I not allowing myself to meet my own needs? And I'm just kind of becoming a doormat to people. You know, and you may discover that it's this thing where the collective around you has always kind of told you that something about you that is literally a part of your existence is negative. Allowing for integration of aggression gets you to the point where you can speak your mind. You can assert yourself in a way that sticks up for yourself get you what you need in a way that's not overbearing or uh, with any malicious intent. You know, you know how to wield that tool of your emotions and your psychology for something good, because if it's always assigned as something bad, you stay clear of it constantly, and you miss the opportunity to better yourself better anyone around you who may need you to step up to a certain type of plate to help them. The idea is that there's a wholeness that you're trying to achieve in the overall sphere of your, of who you are. You know, the quote unquote, the sense of your own personality, your psychology. And I know in some other episodes, you know, it's, it's, I go back and forth because there's a lot of layers to this, right? We can go the route of like, well, I'm, I, I am none of these things. Or if you choose to be some of these things, you can do work in the realm of your, um, your mind where you have identified as these emotions and these, um, hierarchy of needs, all of these things, right? But we're not talking about surpassing that into this kind of non-duality place. Because in reality, doing the work on, in the level before that is really the only thing that uh, authentically gets you to kind of crawl out of that. You need to understand all the floors that you're walking on to, to be able to get on the staircase to go to the next one. At least that's what it feels like to me. So this wholeness that you're trying to achieve in doing the shadow work allows you to be, to manifest, I guess, yourself, to live in the way that you really want to, because we can get carried away in the currents of our emotions, because we've never explored those those parts of us. And it makes sense almost in a historical way for some people, because there's a religious almost, Catholic component to feeling guilty over your thoughts that God is monitoring everything that you're thinking so if you're not of pure of mind then something is coming your way you need to rid yourself of a certain type of mental sin in even thinking it where where in what Carl Jung is talking about it's about stepping into that it's about actually really thinking about that And exploring that and knowing that it's a part of your your mental nature to have that as a piece of the schematics of your psychology and to know that is to really know yourself even further because as you know that you'll know how to control it you'll know how to um, use it in the correct way instead of having it awaken from some kind of trigger that hasn't been recognized and then all of a sudden all of these kind of points of conflict in your life happen and they compound and you're confused as to where you are in this crazy shitty life that you're living all because you haven't recognized the importance of actually looking into the underpinning to what your reaction where your reactions are coming from you know whether it's aggression or it's anything. If it's love, it's if it's a uh, toxic way of uh, looking at yourself, it's all of these things. I see this even in myself. Like this was a piece of a conversation that I had with someone where <clears throat> kind of the shadow it could be the place where a lot of judgment is coming from, right? If you you have to ask yourself very honest questions that make you very uncomfortable. Why do I not like this person? Why do I not like these people? Why do I not like this type of person? What is it? Right? All of these different judgments. Where are these coming from? Who, have, who has told me what? and the more that you ask questions that come from that initial place that even recognizes that you're judging allows you to get closer to maybe the source of why you're judging you know it's a, it can be a dark place to go to you know so if you're judging people that are let's say overweight right What is it what is it that has told you that overweight people are bad is it negative what then has told you that somehow they're undeserving of a certain type of compassion right it's all about it's about judgment and then it's also about well what are you projecting Off of yourself through your judgment who has told you that you're not something if you become this right the thing that you fear the most is in front of you and you fear becoming this thing so then you judge that you know and and like I said in the beginning there's levels to this it's is it the meta that gives you this idea that you've distorted into this place that's non-compassionate? Or is it a subjective individual experience in your own life that has attached itself to who you are, what you think you are, what you think you're worth because of this aspect of um, vanity? Because the thing with this is that it's good people who who seem to be who will tend to be the the non-integrated people. And what I mean by that is like, we're all kind of keeping face to some degree. We're not all just walking around here, spouting out our deep judgments of people, right? We're keeping it at bay. And we think we're doing a good job because we don't just run around calling everybody fat. We don't run around calling everybody some racial slur or some bigoted thing. You may think that you don't think that way only because you haven't received any heat from saying something. And in not saying something, you think you're doing enough work or you've convinced yourself that you're not that type of person. And you may not be that type of person, but it's necessary to recognize That there are parts of yourself that can truly judge people, not on a layer where you want to tell them to their face, but on a level where there's a, a certain piece of hidden discrimination. And why this is important, other than some of the obvious that maybe you can assume, is that if it's there and you don't recognize it, that is a part of you to explore you'll for one think that you can get rid of it. The shadow will always exist. It's knowing how to corral these things, right? It's being the appropriate lasso to the animal who's constantly running around, bumping its head on everything, hurting everyone. You wanna be able to put parameters on this part of yourself, whether you can use it for something positive or to just understand that it's in in you and to recognize it allows it to to not come out as a a reaction. And number two, if it's there that you don't recognize it, you don't, we might not know how big that thought can get because that thought can muster. And if an individual hijacks you in any type of messaging or society does in some propagandist way. These little discrimination thoughts that you keep to yourself, they get picked at and picked at until eventually they turn into something that could potentially look at people as other. And when the shadow runs wild and unaddressed I think you see some of these... This is how you see some of these tribal conflicts. Some of the big ones, and I know this this is just historically an easy one to go to, was the Nazi regime, right? We know that what they did was horrible. But we don't know every single soldier that signed up for, you know, to be part of the Nazi party. And what I mean by that is I guarantee you many of them felt like they were doing something correct. Horrible, right? It's horrible. And this is a story of, of, of almost, almost all big and powerful kind of entities running amok, whether it's, um, whether it's capitalism, corporatism, government intervention, all of them have told themselves a the narrative that somewhere they're doing the right thing. But in the case of that, with the Nazis, it's a hijacking of this piece of their psyche that has already told themselves that there is another. right? And it started with some kind of discrimination. What is, what is in there? The collective society is telling me to think a certain way about a certain person. And that little nugget of animosity or whatever it is that's in me is already there, unrecognized. And now someone else has control of it and is watering it and cultivating it into this massive, deadly phenomenon that we witnessed. And some would call that the collective shadow, right? Where in this very integrative way, we've ambushed a massive demographic of people to think in a certain way. They've hijacked a part of their mind that has been unaddressed. You know, and I, I, I bring this into this idea of just what's happening now with like Russia and Ukraine. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I know this whole story, but I know it's bad. And I know that there's a psychotic person that's holding the reins of this whole thing. And we're now playing this very dangerous game of chess with people's lives and weapons. But this idea that people can just walk past this imaginary line into another pile of dirt and give themselves the narrative That these people need to be addressed in a way through violence. All because of a messaging that has been given to me. You know, that's a scary thing. I don't know what that is. Is that just people in the corner abiding to some dictator in fear of their own lives? Or is there some messaging that was tapped into to see people that look like them, just on the other side of some imaginary line, that they are another. And that we're here to kind of reclaim something. And that if you stand in our way, I will continue to see as someone as another and do something to you. You know, it's always been so strange, just the, the psychology of how you can get people to hurt other people on this on this scale tens of thousands of people just listening to orders willing to take the lives of tens of thousands of people and it doesn't matter kind of what the conflict is you're still having this conversation that I am something other than the person that I I have in front of me whether it's in Afghanistan, Russia, South America, it doesn't matter. You know, and, it's, and it just, it intrigues me. I'm trying to do more of this work so that, you know, for the obvious, that things around me uh, are a little better, so that I become less susceptible to certain types of messaging, because I've explored the worst parts of my judgmental, aggressive, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, things of myself. You know, and as I try to find these things, how do I work through them, practice them? You know, I don't mean to kind of continue to bring it up, but. It is a piece of this that, even the you know, a regular person would see the this aspect of the utility of this, which is in martial arts, right? I even see it in my own daughter. We practice jujitsu together. We do some kickboxing. I take her to karate class. She tries to exercise as much as she can. I let her wrestle me. I let her try to come up and gut punch me, kick me in the leg, take me down, you know? Yeah, it's not always in the <laughs> at the best times, you know? Cooking in the kitchen and all this stuff. But it's like there's an outlet for that. And I see the energy being expelled, which then allows her to kind of have more of a control over the body through the storm of something emotional. She's not ready to hit anything she doesn't throw anything when something makes her angry or sad when there's conflict with friends she's usually pretty good about it if anything extreme happens it's more just sadness tears for a minute and that's it i don't know how to turn this around to then erase everything we've done to see what the result of that is but i'd like to think that in putting up bumpers for her to safely use this aggressive energy is something that is, is kind of allowing her to bind herself better to her mind and to how she's feeling for more management skills. You know, there's less mystery when you've explored a place more. And I think that that's why physical activity like martial arts is so good. And I think especially for young boys, you know. They want to wrestle. They want to punch. They want to do all these things. And what are we constantly telling them? To not do it. Don't do it. Well, then let's find a place for them to do it. You know, and the backwards thinking is that if you let them do this, then they'll want to do it more. And the opposite is true. It's the opposite that's true. And only, I think, the person that actually gets into that space that sees that, is the one that really knows this. And that's the job of, you know, schools and professors educating people that don't do martial arts of the benefits in that corralling of aggression type of thing. You know, and obviously that branches out into many other different beautiful mental aspects and that you can, you know, intentionally grow and do all that stuff. But for the, uh, the aggressive nature of a person themselves, it's good. It's very good. And I'm saying this because there's a, a way around this. But like everything else, the way around this or through this is in a process of recognizing your projections. And again, that doesn't feel good. It makes you feel conflict, an internal conflict. It makes you feel hypocritical. It makes you feel bad that you now have to address either an idea or a thought, but it doesn't have to. The only reason that it makes you feel bad is because we've been conditioned by enough energies around us to think that we should be looking at ideas and emotions in a very dualistic way which is good or bad without any context and without seeing the nuances of all of these emotions and all of these ideas. You know, and I don't know if we... It's like... It'd be nice to think that if we allowed for more of that to happen I wonder if we would be harder to press in the direction of what Russia is doing to Ukraine. Now, this is just coming off the top of my head, and this could sound so stupid. But I'd like to think that if we knew more of what of the heavier sides of our minds that we could embrace and how if we knew more of those things, and how easy it is to impact and influence that part of us and we knew the context as to why we feel this way and how maybe we can use it for something better, then maybe we would, it would be harder to influence us into convincing us as a nation that somebody is an other to dehumanize someone. I can't see people in this country if they've done that type of exploration, no matter who you are, soldier or not soldier, that it'd be hard to see them lining up at the border, pulling something like this off to Canadians. I don't see it happening. Because there's an overall wholeness to that what that individual knows about themselves, which then overlaps into how unsusceptible they are to messages from people who don't have a sense of wholeness, taking orders from some type of authority, which is what's happening. And it all all doesn't have to kind of come down to these, these kind of like uh, violent, malevolent kind of acts. You know, that's, what do, what does the Metis want you to think about women, right? If no one interjects in the way that you see how a woman is supposed to live their life and that how you're supposed to be able to put yourself in the shoes of a woman, the meta tells you that, I think it tells you a lot of things, but an easy one is that they're just objects. They're objects here for just visual candy. And the manifestation of that is some real fucked up misogyny. And you don't even know it. You think you're just playing games. You think you're just being cute. You've literally even told yourself that maybe they like it. Right? That it boosts their confidence in the clunky, disgusting way that you like to admire and tell a female about it right I'd like to think that there is shadow work there and it's a role reversal mechanism in that one too it's a little different because it's like the only internal conflict you have potentially is that somewhere in you you don't really like doing this, but you've already made enough momentum in thinking and acting in this way, so you continue to do it. Where the other side of that is, you treat women with the utmost respect, but you have some really heavy thoughts about them internally. Those should obviously be recognized too. But like, as I said, the, the reversal of this is, a, it's, it's a little different. There has to be some point of hypocrisy in you. For you to recognize that there's something heavy going on and the alchemy you need to do to turn it into something positive. And when you're talking to women and viewing them in this kind of objectification type of way, I think it becomes a little more complicated as to what the trigger is that awakens you to the idea that this is incorrect and that you're incorrect and that it's time to look in the mirror and just recognize the disgust that you've engaged in but people avoid that too we avoid conflict we avoid feeling like shit about ourselves and in doing so we tell ourselves that we're correct that everything is okay and that's why this game is hard. So, you know, I got a feeling that was all kind of like spread out in a very weird, abstract way. I'm really hoping that I kind of brought that all in a little bit. But, you know, it's this process of just looking at the, the, the weird buzz that happens in you emotionally and embracing it so that you allow for some exploration, if God's always watching, then you're always putting some kind of thought underneath the rug. And at some point, it's, it's going to become too late, and all those thoughts are going to erupt, and you're going to have a really heavy reaction, or your behavior is going to plateau in a very toxic way and continue to act in a certain way that you don't really have control over. And the antidote, antidote to that is to look at it and to recognize That there is something heavy lurking inside of you that has all the potential to to be something monstrous. We all have that. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or anything. We all have the potential to become monsters. I have the potential to become a Nazi. Sounds fucked up, right? That's okay. That is okay. I recognize that you have the potential to become a Nazi. Because Nazis existed, right? You think you're so divorced from the human experience that you can't really fathom how somebody would end up falling down this steep slope of a certain type of ideology Look at at all the ideologies that we're all really even a part of now. We're all susceptible to all these clubs. All of these tribes. All of these territories. You're susceptible to all of it. You're just a couple degrees away from potentially being the worst version. But in the recognition of it allows you to then kind of do something about it. It's kind of beautiful how it almost parallels the... uh, four noble truths and I won't get into it but the first one is to recognize that life is suffering and in this case it's the idea that you have the potential to be a monster you have the potential to be something you do not intend to be and that's a powerful thing you become so much more of an integrated person in your life if you, if you know how to shine a light on all of the little dark spots in you, because they exist. They absolutely exist. You know, and if you don't think that, I don't know what else to say other than the recognition of denial is your first step. I don't know. But anyways, this is, this, is, this is good stuff. It's very helpful to me. The books are entertaining. The books are just mind-blowing. They can be dense. I'm kind of a little too dumb to understand, you know, some of the verbiage. But, you know, I've got my dictionary. I've got Google. I can figure this out. And once I do, you know, I've acclimated to the language of kind of some of these, some of this literature. And it's profound, it's great. And I think it's really important. We're on the cusp of something very strange right now with all this conflict in the world. And I know it's just kind of the message that I keep harping on, but, and I'll keep doing it, but it's, it, it, it does kind of seem like it always comes down to like doing work on yourself. Because if you do and then the next person does and then the next person does, it, now it's the collective. The collective have now done work on themselves. And it's hard because at odds with that is this feeling of just wanting to make everyone look at themselves. Knowing that everyone needs to do something but you're just so frustrated, it's like, what do you do? Then you just keep going on and going on on your own. It's not that the effort in yourself is like wasted. Of course it's not. You don't get that collective change until that one person starts to change. It's got to start somewhere. And it feels like that's kind of our only option. With little things here and there sprinkled, you know. But the important stuff is, yeah, 100%. Looking at yourself. And being willing to kind of be ashamed initially and finding a place to feel a little proud in the end. Because you were willing to kind of look in the mirror when, uh, when you didn't really want to. Or you've been actively trying not to, even worse. All right, guys. Appreciate the year. Take care.